I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John and Ken Show, John Cobell, Ken Shampoo, KFI, AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Yeah, check out our mugshot of the day on our webpage, KFIAM640.com, the John and Ken page. It is a 36-year-old homeless man who's been arrested on suspicion of committing two armed robberies in Glendale, but they think he may be linked to 14 more. 16 armed robberies may have been committed by this man, and uh, he's a tattoo head. One of your favorites, John. It almost <laughs> seems like he was asleep and somebody wrote on his face. <clears throat> yes. Like a joke. <laughs> like he was the victim of a graffiti attack. There's <laughs> like a pointy thing under his eye that goes down and his chin has SGV on it. I, I, guess, I, know, Gabriel I know we're not, we're not supposed to judge, but if I see a guy with those tattoos on his face and head, I am running so fast. That's only bad news. Tattoos yeah. like that are only bad news. So the Glendale Police Department released this story, and uh, they were responding to an armed robbery at a fast food restaurant. Uh, a guy walked behind the counter, took out a gun, and removed money from the cash register and then fled in a car. And then they saw the same suspect in another uh, robbery, and eventually they caught up with uh, Rudy Mendoza is his name. All right, well, speaking of robberies, well, now I was uh, saw this story over the weekend on Channel 2 about a woman in Malibu named Joanne Moscone. Joanne was uh, coming home from dinner. She was in her house, 9 o'clock Wednesday, and uh, two armed robbers broke into the house. And we're going to have her tell the story. Uh, my wife and I happen to be friends with Joanne for many years. We've been, to the, we've been to her house. 
And it was uh, kind of startling to see you in the news and see you on television. Joanne, how are you? Yeah. Hey, hey, John. Um, I'm uh, I'm here. You okay? I mean, this has been a, a crazy experience, so okay would be the wrong term, but I'm here and I'm, I'm ready to share. <laughs> well, tell everybody what happened. Take us through the whole experience. Yeah, um, well, it was a nightmare. So what happened was I had friends that we were out with and um, we were just enjoying the sunset in Malibu and my husband and I and our friends pulled up to the house and my husband decided that he wanted to take them home. They didn't live far from us instead of having them take an Uber. And I decided to stay home because I was exhausted and I have a little dog I wanted to see. And I knew he was coming back right away. Luckily, I'm not home alone often and probably won't be for a very long time. And uh, when I went in our house, my instinct was to get ready for bed because I was tired and I was in my closet, which is in the back of my house. And I, right after my husband pulled away, I started hearing noises and I couldn't quite make out what they were. At first, um, I thought, are we having an earthquake? Because the noise was coming from my bathroom, which is right close to my closet. But then it sounded like it was at my kitchen, which was on the other side of my house. So I ran to the kitchen, thought, hey, did something drop? in my kitchen but then again heard it in my bathroom so i'm still thinking earthquake this was really like happening in seconds so i went right back to my bedroom area where my closet was and i had my back towards my actual bed and that's when i heard glass break and thank god my instincts were you're being robbed get the heck out of there and i started running for my life i have a little dog she was obviously not leashed i just opened up my front door screamed her name. She leaped into my arms and we ran so quickly to a neighbor's house. And at that point, you know, all I, I all I did was feel the presence of the uh, men that were like entering my bedroom door right behind me. And um, immediately just, I think I had a panic attack. I don't really remember how I reacted when I ran into my, I ran into my neighbor's home. Their door was unlocked and just screamed. There's, there's people in my house that, you know, they, they just shattered my bedroom door, call 911. And uh, that's what that's what the first part of our story is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so the, 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 the door, I guess uh, the bedroom uh, has its own entrance. Yeah, it's a sliding doors and um, and they're glass sliding doors and and they and they just broke it. They, they shattered it into pieces. And so you call the police. How quickly did they come? Um, my neighbor called the police first, um, and he lives next door to me. So that that's the part of the story that I didn't find out until afterwards. He wound up seeing them, actually, and they held the gun to him and uh, said to him, what, uh, what do you want? And he said, I didn't see anything. So they were armed with guns, and they, oh. they came in three cars. So this was an organized crime situation, according to the detectives. Three cars, and they held a gun to your neighbor? They held a gun to my neighbor, and oh. from what I, yeah, my neighbors in the community also have footage from their cameras, so apparently these men um, came in a group, and they were circling my block for three days before the actual crime took place, and from our cameras that we retrieved from my neighbor, this incident happened at 9.04 p.m., but they were outside my house starting at 8 o'clock that night looking uh, into our windows um, and the two other cars, you know, blended right in. One of them looked like a black SUV Uber. Um, as a matter of fact, right before I 
decided to like head in for the night when my husband and my friends were in my house uh, when we first arrived back home, I took my dog out. So I was in front of one of these cars and, you know, it's Malibu. It's, it's, uh, it's quite common for people to go in an Uber car. So um, I wish I would have paid more attention to now, not recognizing it. Did they see you come in and, and entered anyway, or were you parked around the corner or dropped off around the corner? Uh, we all entered. And then my husband and our two friends exited. So it's unclear whether or not they miscalculated or oh, knew that the one remaining person was a woman. Um, but they were very smart um, men. Um, they were, you know, my neighbor gave us a description. They were two black men. They ranged from like 20 to 30 years old and they were wearing hoodies. And because the detectives wanted to, you know, catch them, they came back to my house to take fin- fingerprinting, but they must have been wearing gloves. There was no fingerprinting. So, unfortunately, they were never caught. They were in a Chevy Malibu, and it was very loud. And they were also very loud criminals based on the um, camera account. Like, you could hear them speaking. And, and that's why I thought at first, before I thought earthquake, I'm like, am I hearing noises? Is it my husband coming back home? Like, did they leave something in my backyard? It wasn't quite clear what they were actually saying, but they weren't, like, whispering or anything. They were loud and um and quick did they take much they didn't take anything apparently when i slammed the door that's when they ran i don't know if they thought cops were coming you know malibu is a situation where there's one way in and one way out so i think that they move rather quickly and and thank god my husband um you know he's armed so if he were to come back home at that time i think the situation could have gotten very ugly i feel incredibly blessed that I was able to run out and I actually didn't run into the situation because uh, my detective, the detective told me and the sheriff that showed up that when they bring guns, guns are for humans. And that that's been like a haunting um, line that stayed with me. Right. <laughs> so, um, so apparently now you want to rally your neighbors into fighting crime. Is that what you're trying to do? Well, yeah. I mean, my husband and I were living in Venice before we came to the Malibu area, which as you know, has always had a history in the past decade of being uh, a place that there was a lot of crime and and we felt very unsafe there. And we moved to Malibu to get away from all of this. And our community, there is people out there, there's elderly people, there's families, there are walking dogs. You would never think that something like this would happen in our community. I've always felt extremely safe. So this is pretty much not just jolted me, but all my neighbors, I mean, it's been a very difficult week because I've received incredible support, but just resharing the story. And I thought to myself, they feel very unsafe. This was in my bedroom where I was ready to be in bed. And I was blessed to be able to run out of there. What about if I had a baby? What about if I was an older woman who required assistance or some somebody, a man who has COVID or, or something of that nature, or just falling sound asleep or in my shower? What would this have looked like. So I think it's really scared our neighborhood. I think we want to really, as a, as a community, show that we are strong, that we um, are not going to put up with anyone hanging out in our neighborhood that we don't see. I think a lot of us were always worried about, oh, goodness, if I call the cops and I'm offending the person in the car that doesn't belong there, you know, how will that look? I think we're all on the same page that if you don't look like you belong in the neighborhood and we've never seen you, we're all going to stop ignoring suspicious cars and people. We're going to take kicks. We're going to get their license plates. We're, we're all on the same text exchange. We're going to be calling the police and we're everybody's talking about getting armed because there's no way we're going to depend on um, law enforcement. Not that they weren't great. They were. 
But from what I'm hearing is, uh, the, you know, they're being defunded and there's not enough of them to, to protect our communities anymore. So we're going to have to protect ourselves. Yeah, because Malibu, you have to rely on the sheriff's department. And they definitely have Correct. been uh, underfunded by the idiot county supervisors. Correct. And I think that's another one of my goals is to a lot of my friends, I, you know, they're not always very political and understanding some of the things. So when I was explaining to them what the DA is about and how there are no consequences. These criminals are incentivized. I explained it as, you know, if I was a kid and I know I'm going to do something really, really bad, but yet nothing, nothing's going to happen. Or if I know I could eat as much chocolate cake as I want and I'm not going to get fat, I might keep eating that chocolate cake. So they're incentivized. And that's what's scary about all of this. Well, all right, I'm, Joanne, I'm, how can people, you have a website or something people can follow? We do, and we've literally just put it up. So if they go on it right now, there won't be much up, but it's because this just happened. It's called protectmalibu.org, and we're getting very serious, my husband and I, and our community, and a lot of our friends who are very involved in it. Um, I have a a reporter friend who's very friendly with the sheriff um, and works with him, and we want to come together as a community and say, okay, what can we do? How can we get this DA recalled? How can we get more cops back out there? How can we show the importance of protecting our communities and calling suspicious vehicles and people without feeling the guilt of it all? Because now now it's the game has changed. They're not scared and they're incentivized. And if they're arrested, they will come back out again. All right, we're going to have you back on in the future as you really ramp this thing up and find out how you're doing. Thanks sure. for coming on. Yeah, I'm glad you and your husband are okay. And we'll talk soon. Me too, and, and our dog. Yeah, and your the dog's dog, good, yes. too, right? Deborah Mark wanted to know that. Absolutely. Joanne Moscone is her name. She's from Malibu. And uh, just last week, she had quite a shock and a fearful situation, a frightful situation, when uh, some robbers tried to enter her home. And they actually did break uh, the sliding glass uh, door there. But she managed to escape to a neighbor's home where cops were called. Unfortunately, uh, they didn't take anything. But uh, they had been scouting, they believe, the neighborhood for some time, so she's now organizing people. Uh, it's uh, Her website is protectmalibu.org, but it's just getting going. But she wants people to be more aware and to be very alert about who's in the neighborhood. More coming up. John and Ken, KFI. KFI, AM640, John and Ken Show. John Cobalt, Ken Shampoo. We were live everywhere in the iHeartRadio app. We just got done talking to a uh, homeowner from Malibu, Joanne Moscone. She had a horrifying experience last week where apparently a little mob of uh, robbers tried to break into her home and did indeed smash a uh, sliding glass door. She escaped with her dog to a neighbor. They called the police. Uh, and the part we didn't know from the Channel 2 story, apparently... Uh, they did raise a gun to one of her neighbors before they uh, pulled away, not having stolen anything. But uh, Joanne is trying to organize her neighborhood to get people more alert about suspicious activity, you know, like the Neighborhood Watch program. You got to have that. Yeah, maybe in a place like Malibu where the homes are further apart, people don't get like well, that, but I, they I've, should. I've been in this neighborhood. The homes are fairly close together. So oh, they it, are? Okay. Yeah, I just think the way people are, I mean, most people are just disconnected from what's going on in the world. And and it, it seems like a place in her neighborhood. It's it's. Where's up, your uh, what's that thing where people uh, yap about each other? Next door app. Next door app. Yeah, right. that should be in that should be in vogue. Yeah, I know. It's, these kinds of stories. It's weird. There's people who are hyper connected, 
you know, it's like everything. There's this this small segment that's hyper-connected. They're really loud, and they're the ones who get involved politically right. and this and that. But then and a great majority just kind of— great majority just bobbing along because up there, it's a little up in the hills. You could see the ocean from a little bit of distance. And the only—like she said, the only way in and out is PCH. Right. Uh, and, and so you feel isolated except you're not because anybody could drive up PCH— and, and dart into one of the uh, neighborhoods in the hills, uh, steal, and then head out down the highway. And there isn't a lot of police presence there. It's technically, uh, you know, the sheriff's department area. You know, they don't have their own police department, as far as I know. So yep. uh, Probably it, these gangs think of all these things. That's why they target these neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. And so you sit, and, and you know, the, the way she described it probably was right, is that if they... They saw her and her husband and the other couple go in the house, and then only three out of the four of them left. But in the dark, the bad guys couldn't see it. So they thought, oh, they're going out again. They thought the house was empty. They didn't know Joanne had stayed behind. Right. And so that was their mistake. But that could have ended up tragic for her. The Wall Street Journal did a story over the weekend about one of our favorite places. Petty thieves plague San Francisco. These last two years have been insane, say store owners. Small business owners have been particularly hard hit by additional security and repair costs. This is one of these things where, well, you know, it's not up there with homicides, right? Shootings and stabbings and rapes and assaults. But boy, this can wear you out if you're a business owner because that's all that's been happening the past two years. Because it's uh, relentless every day in some stores. You know, if you oh, got a Walgreens, it's just, every right. day. Smashed storefronts are so common, the city launched a program to fix them with public money. Car owners leave notes declaring there's nothing of value in the cars or leave their windows open to save themselves from having broken glass. And, of course, we've talked about this. Videos of shoplifters hauling goods out of drugstores drug like Walgreens have gone viral. There was that smash and grab at the Louis Vuitton store last November. But the stats do bear it out. <clears throat> Property climbs declined in San Francisco during the first year of the pandemic, but rose 13% last year. Burglaries in the city are at the highest level since the mid-1990s. There were 20,663 thefts from cars last year. Almost 57 a day. 50. That's a 39% increase from the prior year. 57 a day. Do the math on that. I mean, This I mean, is why Chesa Boudin is going to get bounced. Because yeah. there's got to be some consequences to this that people got to strike out. Because none of them go to prison. His office discourages filing charges in cases where suspects are full, pulled over for traffic infractions and officers find small amounts of drugs. That's an example because the money they get to buy those drugs comes from stealing and fencing from the stuff they burglarize from stores and homes. Right. So all the people you see in the streets, all the people that the cops pull over and find drugs in the car, a lot of that comes is financed by 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 the burglaries. So that's, see, everybody thinks, oh, it's just a small crime. So they pulled him over and he had some drugs on him. It's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal because they're drug addicts. They're taking drugs 24 hours a day. They're not working. 
And so they need to steal from a, a, a lot of stuff in order to finance the drug habit. Criminologists say San Francisco's high density of retail stores and its mix of tourists, commuters, and wealthy residents make it an inviting target for thieves. Locals, though, point to a host of other factors, including the tactics of the police and prosecutors, statewide changes intended to reduce the number of people behind bars, we know that well, and the city's dual crisis of drug use and homelessness. There's been no end of finger-pointing. Well, and you know but what? Business owners and residents alike are demanding a more law and order approach has to happen. Well, they're all they're all right. All the fingers are pointing at one of the one of the culprits here because the local police end up surrendering. They give up showing up at some of these calls. They give up filling out reports. They I don't mean, bother to press here, charges. Jessup Bodine's DA's office. His office, for example, discourages filing charges in cases where suspects are pulled over for traffic infractions and officers find small amount of drugs. Yeah. Others say the police cleared just 6% of the city's property crimes in 2020, more than 8 percentage points lower than the national I average. I mean, do you realize that? You steal something in San Francisco, some kind of property crime, you have a 94% chance of getting away with it. Yes. 94% chance. It's cleared if you're arrested, charged, and turned over to court for prosecution. That doesn't even count prosecutions. That means this you. Is the, this is from the George Gascon playbook. No, oh, we don't want to punish people for these small-scale thefts. Oh, the answer you have for everything is lock them up. So you end up but, with with tens of thousands of these. That's what happens. You you you. They, they do not dismiss those little crimes. Those little crimes then multiply by the tens of thousands, and one leads to the next. The bad driving, you find the drugs in the car. The drugs, oh, that means the guy's probably an addict. Well, he's got to finance that with a lot of burglaries and a lot of car thefts. Right. And, it go, and you know, the whole cycle goes on and on and on. And the DA doesn't care, and the police, after a while, get burned out. And, and, I'm surprised. And, and Prop 47. Anybody left owning stores in San Francisco, if you're constantly being broken into, it just takes a toll on you. Well, why do you want to deal with that? Yeah, you could go to you could go to a sane state and a sane city and live a nice life. I mean, I mean, they, I can't believe the amount of stuff that's locked up in my drugstore around the corner from me. I didn't want to go in there anymore. I order even more on Amazon because it's a pain in the ass. There's so much locked up, and yeah. and, you, and they have no employees. So no, nobody comes with the key to open it. I got, I went to a, a hardware store the other day to get a flashlight. All the flashlights are locked up. Flashlights are locked up. Who's stealing flashlights? Well, all the bad guys are because then they put yeah, them on eBay and to, sell them. I don't know. You can use them to uh, break into places. A little flashlight to uh, find your way around In fact, the house. You, you know what this, this hardware store went to? Now, this place is taking a proactive approach. I go in there and somebody asks me, oh, hey, welcome, welcome. How are you doing? I go, okay, what are you, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for a flashlight. Well, go to aisle 25. And there's a guy there and he, oh, hi, how are you doing? I, I said, fine. Uh, he goes, do you want a flashlight? And I go, well, how do you know? He goes, oh, they already told me. I didn't even notice. He had a little earpiece in his ear. Oh, so they already told him. And, and he went right to the case and had a key so I could reach in there and, and, and buy a flashlight. But that's what they've got to do now. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI. John and Ken Show. John Cobell, Ken Shampoo, KFI, AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Well, here's your Ukraine-Russia news roundup. The Biden is going to Poland. Are you excited, John? He's going to start by going to Brussels <laughs> to meet with the NATO people, and then he's going to go on to Poland. 
<laughs> which of course has been the source for many refugees well, who have fled Ukraine. That's where they've been going to the yeah. west and to Poland. And, and Putin uh, is really pissed off with Poland because it's been the most aggressive out of all the NATO nations. Wants to you know send jet fighters into Ukraine right. to shoot down Russian planes. So Putin wrote a long letter to the uh, Polish leaders, and in it that he referenced Biden. Well, he he said that Poland is under the influence of um, what did he, what did he write? It was a, a, a senile insanity, and it was a reference to Biden. Ah. <laughs> so that that's his opinion of Biden. When you hear that yeah, they have well, their... when Biden said last week that he was a war criminal, one of the Kremlin spokesholes said, well, we know that he's got to, he's taken to anger and fits of uh, instability. Yeah, well, both are telling the truth. It was almost like a tint of sympathy in it that, that they understand Biden's kind of uh, yeah. facing his fading days. Right. So I don't think he's taken anything seriously. Uh, I don't think Putin's taken any insults from uh, from Biden. The U.S. is warning that Russia might cyber attack the United States, that they are definitely planning some targeted operations. Don't know whether that's going to be companies or social media or what it's going to know. be. I'm telling you, though, have some cash in your house. Oh, you're right. In case you can't get to your banking system might go down. ATMs aren't going to work. Credit cards might not work. For, how's your plan going? For I, being... got, I got the food in the other day. Oh, so you're all set. Yes. For the nuke. Well, not completely set. There's a few other things I've got to do. I'm okay. working on it week by week. I'm, I'm hoping that I'll get this done before uh, the trigger goes off. Hmm. Uh, Biden also confirmed today that the, the Russians are using hypersonic missiles. They yeah. can travel much faster than the speed of sound. It is hard to detect them. This is why they're important. And, and um, you can attach a nuclear warhead to them. Wow. Yeah, so it's it, it's terrible. I If he uses nuclear uh, weapons, he'll first use it on the Ukrainians. He'll use it to uh, win on the battlefield in the areas where he's stalled out, which is everywhere. Ground you think wise. he'll start with biological or chemical weapons before yeah. he just starts shooting off nukes? They're really worried about that, yeah. They're, they're worried about that happening imminently. Where, yeah, I sensed over the weekend, though, that uh, things were looking tougher for Ukraine. I and we've been talking about this city of Maripol, which apparently has been leveled. I don't know if they're making any progress on Kiev, but it looks like they're slowly starting to find out. I saw the most horrifying video, and if you saw, I think it was on the New York Times website, where Russian soldiers had made their way into like an apartment building, and they were on a deck outside, but the surveillance camera was on, and they were looking around with their guns drawn. I don't know whether they were just trying to. They were looking for soldiers or looking for what? But eventually they get into an elevator. You can see the Russian soldiers crowded in the elevator. And one of them finally looks up and sees the camera and smashes it. Yeah. Can you imagine pressing the elevator button? Door opens. There's six Russian soldiers inside, fully armed. With their, with their weapons, yeah. right. I, it, it, it's so scary. It's so horrifying. I don't know. They, they, the Ukrainians have done well holding the ground troops to a stalemate, so they say. But the air war for Russia has just been... Just horrific. Crushing. Right. So what are you yeah. gonna you know? I mean I mean we we're we've given them a lot of arms. The Ukrainians are doing everything they possibly can do. They need help. And I, I just wonder, are we just gonna wait till till Putin sets off the nuke first? Well, 
we're not going to set off the nuke first. Is that what you're asking? Mm-hmm. See, here we go again. Well, well then, to then bomb the Kremlin, right? Well, if he's going to set it off anyway, why don't we go first? Because we we don't know that for sure. No, well, but but then it's too late. You want a preemptive strike? That's what you're asking for. Uh huh. Oh, just because you're ready now. Uh -huh. Almost ready. Almost ready. Oh, that's it. Just have all us become fodder for the. Look, uh... I I told you about this weeks ago. You laughed at me, so. Well, not all of us have a basement. Well, I, well look, I can't solve everybody's problem. Well, you if need we to make room for Ken and I then. <laughs> I've got to make one for you. Not going anywhere near him. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to live in eternity with me in a basement. If you're, if we attack first, would it be, uh, would we be able to knock out his chance to counterattack his nukes? No. Uh, well, if we knock him out personally, I'm thinking the rest of his guys might say, "Let's not do this." He's the only one who wants to do this. Don't you think he has quite the bunker where he can hide if once they know a nuke is no, coming? That's well, I know that's why you got to do it. Um, you got to do it like in the middle of the night when he's all groggy, right in the middle of a dream. Doesn't know where he is. He's stumbling around the room. Stubs his toe, falls. I don't know why you're not in the war room at the Pentagon. You really have the ideas. You know, I, it, everybody knows where I am. Yeah, that's right. You we know my number. Be. All right, we got and, and, and this this is free advice, too. I don't even charge for this. You know how much war consultants charge? No, I don't. Actually. This comes out of me, out of my, out of my love for country. It's very thoughtful. <laughs> you're what a guy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. A, yeah, at least you appreciate it. Uh -oh. You're a keeper. John and Ken show. John Cobell, Ken Shampo, KFI AM six forty live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm sure you're saddened and floored by the end of the Maury Povich talk show after thirty one seasons. Did you even know it was still on? I, I, yes, I, di I did know it was still on because often it greets me when I come into the studio at 2 o'clock. 83 years old he is. And uh, did they originate the one, the Who's Your Daddy episodes where, you know, you get the DNA to well, see which if, guy's the father of if, the baby? If he didn't originate it, it became uh, the show. Eric says yes. Yeah, I think I think they did that almost every day, I, right? I know Jerry Springer did something like that too, right? Or yeah, but, but Povich man, was uh, that was the regular format of the show in in recent years. I... All right, I want to hear this because uh, you know we actually looked in on this particular United States Senate race before. It appears that the Republicans who are running to fill this open seat in Ohio really uh, go after each other. Uh, this is the former state treasurer Josh Mandel. He's a younger guy. He is in this clip accusing one of his opponents, again, this is all Republicans, an investment banker by the name of Mike Gibbons. And he's accusing him of making a lot of money by moving Ohio businesses to China and owning stock in Chinese oil. That doesn't sit well with Gibbons. And they literally are bumping chests, pointing figures and writing each other's faces Here's what happened last week. And listen, I, I think it's important to talk facts and dates this is and companies. And who has the moral ability to talk about this? I'm a Marine. I did a couple tours in Iraq, first in 04, then again in 07 and 08. In between, I did funerals for Marines here in Ohio who got killed overseas. Around this same time, my opponent, Mr. Gibbons, was making billions of dollars 
by shipping Ohio businesses to China. He just got up here and said he wasn't doing that. Let me give you three examples. Perfect Fit LLC had thousands of jobs all over Ohio. He took Perfect Fit LLC and Mike, why don't you explain to everyone why you sold it to a company called Shanghai Shenda. That was in 2015 while President Trump was campaigning against China. And then he did the same exact thing, owning stock in Chinese Petro. All right, Mike, would you like to rebuttal that? Rebuttal? Frankly, I'm not sure where he got perfect fit from, because I'm unaware of the deal. And I'm not sure what Chinese Petro has to do with anything. Uh, are you, you saying own, I owned it? Yeah, you own stock in it. Well, I That's I what you. Tell. That's what you. I can you tell you. You filed that I, with the Federal Elections Commission. You well, own stock I, in Chinese I, Petro. I personally didn't buy the stock. You uh, made millions off it, sir. I don't think I made millions off of anything. I'd love to have made millions off of Chinese Petro. Uh, First of all, Shanghai Shenda and buying, Chinese Petro. Buying a second, right, you may not understand this because you've I never been in the private. No, you don't. I do. You've never been in the I private sector in your all right, entire I've worked, sir. Josh, squat. Two chores in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. Don't tell me I haven't worked. You don't know squat. It's okay, right? You don't know squat. Two tours in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. Back off, buddy. You're gonna you back off. Oh, my God. Never. That'll happen. Sit down. Never. Watch. Yeah. Watch. We'll swear it away with the wrong yeah. dude. Come on, no, no, guys. you're dealing with the wrong guy. You watch what happens. You watch what happens. All right, guys. Moderator. Josh doesn't understand this because he never spent a day in the private sector. Yeah. But when you buy a secondary stock, when you when you buy a secondary stock, you aren't giving any money to the company. It's a market thing. And by the way, I don't even know I knew, I, I, I didn't even know I owned Chinese Petro. And if I did, it was being managed by U.S. Bank. Because I, frankly, was working in the private sector, and I don't have time to watch a stock portfolio. I'm too busy working. <laughs> All right, thank you, Mike. There you go. Wow. And apparently this is, the, this is the old contest between the businessmen, who Republicans usually like, but this guy was well, in the military, his opponent, who yeah. wanted to point that out because... Uh, Gibbons pointed out, you haven't had a public, a private sector job. And that's when Mandel screamed, but I was in the military, two tours. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a whole new breed. They're all fighting for Trump's endorsement. And yeah, so they want to channel that kind of energy and that kind of attack style. But I was, um, and now Gibbons is much older. Mandel is a, yeah. probably a little bit taller, but he just looks in much better shape. But they really were just in each other's faces about to knock each other and back. And did Mandel then shoot him dead at the end? I forgot. Uh, uh, yeah, that's how it ended. Oh, it was a very, right. uh, I thought uh, I saw a headline on that. That's how they ended. It was like a duel. <laughs> a duel. That's how. It, that's what should happen. They should. That's have what a you duel. still want. Right? Yeah. Take ten paces, turn and fire. Yeah, or whatever. Uh, I'd pay money You'd for that. You'd love to see that come back. Yeah, uh, Conway's here. Hey now, hey now, hey now. Hey, we got uh, Mark Garagos coming on tonight. Uh, he has a. He's involved with some the uh, the two guys that helped out Smollett somehow. So we'll uh, we'll talk to him. Uh, Pat Boone is going to be on with us at Pat 7 o'clock Boone. for all you Pat Boone fans. Blake Trolley's coming at 7.30. Oh. And uh, over like, last, uh, two weeks ago, I met a guy who works here uh, at, in the building. I met his wife at some off-campus event. I've never met her before, but I've known this guy for like 15 years. And I met his wife, and, and I said, hey, your wife is great. And I said, I know, guy, you know married guys don't like to hear that, but I thought she was really cool. And a woman who works here goes, I heard that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. 
you shouldn't be allowed out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And uh, and then we got the, I don't know, some other news we'll get to. Right. Okay, well, that's quite or a not. It's a four-hour right, show. Matter. You got time. We, I got, we got about an hour and a half worth of material. Uh, the, the, you know, when he's heading for the finish line after 9.30. Ding is, dog. That's right. Let's roll. Anything can happen. Is what yeah. 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 Uh, you got it. Ding leave. dog. Let's go. Okay, we got Crozier coming in with the right. news. Yeah. Conway next. KFI, KOSD, HD2, Los Angeles, Orange County. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.